Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Vivian Aqua. I am the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And today I am truly excited about today. So I will do a pre-introduction. I'm seeing Celia in the background and I will be bringing her up later on. But I want to dedicate today's episode to workplace pride. So bear with me. Uh, I'm here as a student as well. I'm learning on this journey as well. And that's why I'm bringing a few guests who know so much more about this because it's necessary for us to dedicate today or this month or 365 days towards the LGBT community and show our support and not as a love. So I'm here, even though I'm the host, I'm here as an ally to speak up and to show up and to support. Um, yes, my good old screen. So I am also excited to share that I've done a hundred live episodes for Let's Humanize the Workplace. When I started out in um, 2019, I, I guess somewhere in um, October, November, somewhere there, I was dealing with a situation where I was being dehumanized in a workplace and it got to my bones. It really was just like, there have to be so, someone out there who understands my way of thinking, but also understands that we cannot only point the finger at the manager or at that one colleague. We also need to take our accountability. We also need to take responsibility towards humanizing the workplace. So humanizing the workplace is not about pointing the fingers towards the manager or towards the employer. It's about how can we collectively humanize the workplace together so that everybody feels like they belong and everybody is included. But to also combine it with today's topic, today's episode, Workplace Pride, I mean, I am beyond excited. And again, I am also sharing that I am a student today, learning and being also open, opening my heart, opening my mind when it comes to the LGBT community. And I want to learn as much as I can so that I can pass, you know, the lessons learned towards my son as well. So... I don't know if you have noticed the flag. So there is a flag. It's a reboot flag of the LGBTQ pride flag. And I guess that it it's, uh, started last year to also put an emphasis on the inclusion part and the progression part. Please Google it. Please Google the new improved LGBT flag because LGBTQ flag because there is a story behind it. And I just want to show my support and show my respect for this flag so that you understand why it is important to support. And um, I am not playing a part of the pink washing, but we will have the conversation later on. I also wanted to highlight something. No. This is the part where I'm going to bring up the speakers one by one. So today I have, I have Mark Travis and I'm going to bring his bio up so that I don't, <laughs> don't mess things up. So Mark Travis Rivera is a professional storyteller, choreographer, DEI inclusion specialist, speaker and a writer based in California, USA. And then I have Celia Sondia Daniels, who is a DNI champion who educates, empowers, and advocates 
advocates for the transgender and gender variant and also intersex variant, uh, intersex individuals in the corporate world. And last but not least, Julie Kim is a DEI consultant who believes in a sense of belonging is a prerequisite for anyone to perform their best at work. Welcome everybody. Thank you for being here all. And I will kick off with Mark. Um, why, this is the question, and I needed to rephrase my standard question because now a lot of companies are, uh, let's say they are asking, some are demanding people to come back to the office. And um, I also need to rephrase my question. So why do we need to rehumanize the returning back to the office? I think, you know, hello, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for all the amazing work you're doing as an ally and as an inclusionist. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, so my name is Mark Charles Rivera, he, him pronouns. I am wearing makeup with a gold dress and I nails done. That's my, self, <laughs> my self-description for those who are wondering. And, um, you know, I always tell people, you know, this COVID pandemic has really made us realize one working from home is possible mm-hmm. Two, disabled people have been saying this for decades mm-hmm. right so I'm, I'm a disabled individual i was born disabled and people with disabilities have been saying for the, for the longest we need to make society more inclusive working from home having a hybrid model is more inclusive in the workplace and exactly. so as people want to get back to normal they have to really question what that normal was before and was it working and this idea that, you know, as a gender non-conforming person, I'm safer working from home than I am traveling the streets. As we think yeah. about black and brown trans women being murdered at disproportionate rates in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why working from home is just better. Uh, productivity is not suffering. Uh, there's, just, there's a lot of different components to think about. And so I think part of going back to normal is realizing that normal wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so we have to redefine what normal is. Yeah. I love that. Redefining what normal is. And Celia, what would you say? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mark. You mentioned it in the right way. I mean, it's it's amazing what you said, because what is normal? Was it working? I mean, mm-hmm. the question that we have to ask ourselves is we are moving into, it's not that we're moving into a new normal, but this is a new era, I would say. Yeah. A new plateau, a new way of thinking thinking the next generation way of thinking for the workforce and in my opinion I just I definitely feel that most of us I personally went through a lot of mental health issues uh, during pandemic and I Mm. can relate to a lot of folks who are going through mental health and also physical health issues and uh, especially when you're disabled you know there's so many other issues that you um, you know when you're talking about it I sometimes can empathize or be a part of what you're going through and I have been trying to get hold of a therapist and I could not find a therapist the entire COVID time. <laughs> and I was, I was, and my wife ended up being my therapist now, which is actually mm-hmm. interesting. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of folks have gone through so much this COVID time. And I think it's a wake up call for the industry and the companies to really take a relook at the workforce yeah. and make a dramatic change. It's like, I would say COVID has caused a disruption in the workforce industry. It has caused a disruption for good, not for bad. I mean, in, in yeah. technology, we call it as disruption. But in, I think this disruption is really gonna help 
empower the workforce and take a look at intersectionalities in the workforce. It's not about white men or white woman or brown person just being focused on that, but also focusing on intersectionalities of a trans person who's brown or a trans person who's disabled or a trans person who's veteran and brown and black. There's so many intersectionalities. I'm so excited that this opportunity has been given to us and we definitely need to take advantage of it. So we are redefining this. We are redefining this. Yeah. Thank you. And Julie? Well, what is there to, left to say uh, after Mark and Celia just <laughs> nailed it? it yeah. But, uh, well, I'm coming from a business development background. I was into business development for 18 years, and I know how organizations work. They always talk about uh, performance and productivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people drive performance negatively. But nothing can be done alone. You need support from the people you work with or in the family and friends. And um, when, it, when I see it more of the uh, optimization perspective, like going to the office was not optimal for many people uh, for, from many sort of disabilities or able-bodied, you know, different abilities and challenges or depending on uh, you, your caregiver status in the family. Sometimes it's way more optimal to do things mm -hmm. at home and then get to work at 9.30 or 9 or however time. And I think organizations should be way more open to measure the productivity and performance when it comes to, yeah, that it's 2021 after, you know, this pandemic. Um, well, things have changed and, and like, I... I see a little guest. Yeah, there. I know, I know. <laughs> it's his bedtime. Yeah. Come up. <laughs> yeah. So I keep it short. But the, yeah, because Mark and Sally already answered the yeah. That's, uh, that's, this, this is, is what I have to deal with, but it's it's his bedtime, and I don't want to you know skip that, skip the saying, the kissing part. So, Patricia. <laughs> That's my seven-year-old Orlando. So going back to um, to the reason why I invited you all, and I'll start with Celia this time. Why do we need to put an emphasis on pride at work? Why is it important? What do people? What should people know? You're muted. Sorry, pride is no worries. Yeah, I know it was a beautiful thing, you know, when you're kissing your child and um, it's a part of our life now. It's a part of being who we are. And I have a 21-year-old daughter mm -hmm. and I remember coming out to her when she was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And one thing she said was, Dad, I love you no matter who you are and how yeah. you present yourself. And to me, that was more important. Even during Father's Day, you know, she gave me a hug and it's not about how I identify, it's about how I am relating to her, that's what matters. And the same thing applies even when you're looking at your job and a workforce, especially when I am at work, pride to me is a reminder of the sacrifices that so many folks have done, yeah. not just in this country, but across the world. Yeah. When I was uh, you know, very young, um, I remember I was always dreaming of a world when I can go to my work or go to the college or even go to school as a girl. You know, that was my dream. And uh, growing up in India, it was not possible. I, I got publicly humiliated many times. And I remember the time when I 
came out at work and unfortunately I had my pride, but the companies that claim to be with the corporate equality index of 100% did not understand a gender non-binary person. Mm-hmm. When I came out to them, uh, I was in a suit and I was wearing a suit and I was sitting in front of three other LGBTQ friends and I said, I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm a gender non-binary, non-op trans. And they stared at me and said, uh, can you come in a sari tomorrow to office? And I was looking at them thinking that, and I told them, this is not Halloween. Yeah. My pride. The pride is not about how. Pride mm-hmm. is in the heart. You know, it's it's here. And what is here is actually coming out. And pride has always been since the day we were born. And we were not able to express that pride. And now that we have this opportunity of companies accepting, we see this rainbow flags flying all over the place. I sometimes despise just companies putting the rainbow flags just for the sake of pride. And that's why pride to me is 365. Yeah. We, always say we, are, we are going to talk about the flag part later on. We are definitely going to address that. But uh, right. yeah, I one really like wanna, One thing which I always say is uh, the change comes from the heart of the employees. That's the humanization yeah. part of it, not from the letterhead of the company. <laughs> <laughs> Julie. <laughs> awesome. Again, so, well, you know, if, I don't know if all of it, well, I don't know. Vivian, do you know George Takei? No, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Even George Takei didn't come out until in his late 60s. And such is the power of the closet, you know? Yeah. The fear LGBTIQ plus professionals have about their identity is enormous, especially mm-hmm. at work, because a lot of us try to cover up um, even in the U.S., uh, still 50% of uh, the LGBTIQ plus people choose not to come out in the office. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with Boston Consulting Group and many other companies have released studies around LGBTIQ plus, plus professionals and their happiness index and performance. And when you're in the closet, your performance level goes down by 30% mm-hmm. or more. And moreover, not just from the performance perspective, but um, LGBTIQ plus professionals are twice more likely to experience mental health challenges because of the negative negative experiences at work and outside of work. So uh, to me, it is business imperative Mm. to have a safe workplace for everyone, including... Oh, sorry. I'm getting no. educated by Michael. Now I know. Now I know who George Takei is. <laughs> okay. That's George Takei. Yeah. 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 So it's it's business imperative to have safe space, yeah. a workspace for everyone, not just for LGBTIQ plus professionals, but for everyone exactly, beyond gender exactly. and sexual orientation. You reminded me of a part which I forgot to mention, and um, I don't know if you have seen the news today or a news outlet today about an active NFL player who came out today uh, while still being in the NFL because a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, professional sportsmen or women or those who sports people come out after their career has ended or come out after they are finished with their you know with their sports sport sporting uh career right and this is such an important step that he is taking and also he's showcasing that it's okay to be yourself i want to be myself and still be a champion and still be a leader or still play a part in 
the teams here in the Netherlands or even in Europe, we are having a debate about uh, upcoming, I have to turn it towards football, but upcoming Sunday, the Dutch are playing in Hungary where a country that is banning the LGBT community, that is banning the flags, that is banning media, that is banning a lot, even just to have that flag around the stadium on all the other days, it's allowed, but not on the uh, on on the day that the Dutch are footballing. And now a lot of people are protesting, are saying that we need to bring our flags there to showcase that we support this community and that we want to distance ourselves from what's happening in Hungary, uh, because we are in 2021. How come that we are going backwards instead of going forward by including everybody? So I just wanted to share that as well. And I'm seeing a lot of Star Trekkies. Yes, I am a Star Trekkie, but my partner is more a Star Trekkie than myself. But I do, I do want to um, share also that Star Trek has been, will always be one of the most inclusive series and that started very early in including everybody. So I, I am definitely honoring Star Trek today as well. So thank you for that. And Mark. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I will admit I'm not a Trekkie, but I know a lot of You Trekkies. will be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I there's so much that was said. And so I want to want to make sure I cover everything I want to say mm -hmm. in a very concise manner. I don't want the other yeah. cards to go up. Um <laughs> Uh, this idea of, you know, showing up in the workplace. In my first job after college in 2015, um, I'm 30 years old, just to give context. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, I applied for a job in higher education at a university uh, at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York City. And it has a reputation of being a cop school, of being a school for, for, for police officers and law enforcement. And I had my nails done and I was like, I'm not going to take my nails off because I just paid for this new set. And for those who don't know, paying for your nails is expensive. You know, <laughs> I, I spend a lot of money on my nails. So I wasn't yeah. going to take it off for an interview I may not get the job for. But I wore a suit and tie and I went to the interview and I blew them away. And I said to the woman who interviewed me, I said, I don't wear suit and ties every day, but I wore it for the interview. But I want you to know that I'm gender not conforming. And she said, I have no idea what that means. And I said, you'll learn. If you hire me for the job, you will learn. And, you know, my first day on the job, I wore plaid pants and a nice top. And I said to her, I was like, you know, I'm just not conforming again. And I just want to make, make you let you know that I wear dresses and makeup and heels. And and she says to me, and she has, she gave me permission to be myself at the workplace. Mm, and yeah. she said to me, I don't believe people can bring, can be, be their best selves at work if they can't be the authentic self. And when she said that to me, she liberated me. Yeah. The next day I wore a dress to work. And every day for the four years that I worked there, I brought my authentic self to work. In every meeting, in every conversation, to the president of the university, to the vice president, everyone knew who I was, authentically me. And I made a promise to myself I would never work a job or for a corporation or for an organization that didn't allow me to be myself. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to keep that promise. I now work for Nika White Consulting, a DEI firm in the United States, where they celebrate my difference and my yeah. authenticity. They celebrate the fact that I'm intersectional, that I'm all these things in totality. I don't have to bring my half self to work. I bring my whole self to work. And I will say that my performance thrives because I'm able to be my authentic self. And so I want people who are listening to this talk today 
to recognize that when you give people permission to be themselves at work, mm. you give them permission to bring their best selves to your organization every single day. And that's only going to improve productivity. It's only going to improve performance. And that's going to optimize profits. If you care about the bottom line, you should bring people, let people be the authentic self at work. Okay. I have a confession to make. And the three of you, it's just like popcorn elements all over the place. I am having a hard time moderating or facilitating this conversation because I am fanning with what you're sharing. I just wanted you to know that you don't know, maybe you don't realize how powerful the message that you are sharing right now, how powerful this is and how you are inspiring people, but also educating people to allow people to be themselves. Thank you all. I it, We are just like 20 minutes in and you are already making me emotional. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, and it's a first that I'm getting this. Well, I've been emotional this before, but um, yeah, I am uh, fanning at the moment right now. But getting back to the question that I, I want to ask you, because Celia mentioned something about uh, pride and companies using the flag just out of promotion, um, using the flag because it's that time of the year where you can put that sticker on your company logo or where you can shine. But I want you also to tell the real deal because the pink washing, the performative diversity where you are, you know, showcasing that you are welcoming diversity, but then again, you are behind the door, you are closing, excluding diversity, or some, some people call it the rainbow marketing. What is your one tip for those companies, Julie? I think, um, People are not stupid, right? So mm, people know. I, well, well <laughs> no, we are rephrase. assuming that people are not stupid. No, we yeah, are assuming some, that in general, yeah, let's people assume, are not stupid. Yeah, consumers are becoming cleverer, more exactly. intelligent about their choices uh, with the services and products that they purchase, right? So for what, what I'd like to see with, this, with those companies is that I they should connect back, always connect back to their organization, mm. organizational values. So it doesn't have to be only in June to talk about LGBTIQ plus lives and, and you know the, to improve their lives at work. It can be all your own activities. But it's yeah. great that they're putting more resources and getting more media coverage in the month of June. So um, I'd like to see the companies to connect back to the uh, organizational value and connect with other initiatives with Black Lives Matters and the more gender equality and, uh, you know, making more workplace more inclusive for all the people, not just for LGBTIQ plus professionals. So that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. And to, to add on what Julie just shared, I mean, some companies are that big that they have ERG groups. Some companies are that big that they have multiple ERG groups. So let's say that you... Um, different times in the year, you cross-pollinate. You invite the other ARG group to, you know, to attend the sessions of the other ARG group so that we all can learn from each other. I am having my mini ERG group here just by being, you know, being the host, but also showing up as an ally and eating my popcorn, educating myself on the long way. So thank you, uh, uh, Julie, for sharing that. And Mark. 
you're muted sorry you think <laughs> no i would know how to unmute myself exactly but, <laughs> um you know i think what i love about being an exceptional being is that mm. i get to celebrate myself every single day and yeah. i just happen to have multiple months throughout the year that are highlighted for my identities <laughs> right so september october latinx heritage month mm. july disability pride month uh june lgbtq month um you got the you whole know, year covered <laughs> i got i got i got chunks of the year covered you know and so i always tell people um how can we celebrate people all year long right how can we intersectional in our celebration of people exactly there's no separating my latinxness from my queerness from my disabledness from my gender nonconformingness. i am all of those things in totality right and so what i recognize is that uh hi steph thanks for being here um what i recognize is that we need to celebrate people for who they are yes we need to celebrate people for for showing up yeah. You know, I, I have mental illness. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression for, um, at a relatively young age. And I recognize that there's so much stigma attached to who I am. Yeah. But when companies do more than just put rainbow pride flags throughout June, when we take time to celebrate and learn and have moments to grow together, I recognize, am I valued every single day or just in June? Exactly. And I've been fortunate to work for organizations that value me each and every single day. In my low moments, in my high moments, mm -hmm. I am valued. And so organizations need to value people every single day, not just during Pride Month. And I think that, you know, they have to invest and put their money where their values are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you're making all these Pride products. And I love Targets, for example. I love shopping at Target. And... Um, you know, they are investing money into the communities, right? And they're investing money. And so, yes, are you profiting off Pride Month or are you reinvesting some of those resources to invest exactly. back in the community you tend to celebrate? Yeah. And not every company is doing that, which is wrong. You know, Be I think- transparent about that as well, because I've seen a lot of initiatives, a lot of rainbow exercises where I'm just like, if you're doing this, what are you doing for the community? Which nonprofit organization are you supporting? What, how right. are you educating your, your people to uh, raise awareness? Or what, what are the barriers that people from the LGBT community are facing? Right? What, what are you doing internally, but also externally to prevent those barriers from happening or to dismantle those barriers? Put some, I'm not saying all, but put some, efforts in supporting these social justice organizations because they need your support as well and don't use them as your uh brand marketing right because people see true performative diversity marketing yeah yeah celia thank you mark i always tell the organizations that i'm uh, working with especially um, from trans can work I'm the chief uh, programs officer for Transcan Work. I've seen a lot of organizations, uh, especially reach out to us during the Pride Month. And um, they just call and say, hey, I want to work with um, trans community and we want to hire more trans. Unfortunately, they have a good intention, right? I mean, they mm -hmm. have, a, which is nice. I, I like that. But I always tell them with grace. Sometimes I feel like, oh, my God, not just now, you know, just mm -hmm. But yeah. I think you need to have the grace to also accept the fact that, you know, sometimes you need to work with these organizations. 
So what I do is I tell them, if you want to bring a true change in your organization, you need to start from the bathroom, all the way from the bathroom to the boardroom. Don't just start somewhere in the middle. Don't just give a training, but start from the bathroom because that is exactly where the TGI community, when I'm talking about TGI, I mean transgender variant and intersex community needs that help. And I don't yeah. think in any other intersectionalities, you have an issue starting from the bathroom. It's probably from somewhere else. Yeah. So that is number one. The second thing I always talk about is um, it's okay if the companies are pinkwashing. And sometimes I want to help these companies. They're starting somewhere. <laughs> so it's okay. You know, you start somewhere. Let's just move on. But next year, you'll probably pinkwash the whole year. We'd love that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that's why training and education is important. Not just hiring trans people. Just hiring trans people is not the great way to show that you're inclusive. But also your data is important. How much of trans folks have you retained after the Pride Month? Are they in an environment in your company, in your framework of your company where they are safe? Do they feel safe in your company? Do they have, are they getting caught up in unconscious bias or conscious bias? You know, there are Mm -hmm. a lot of situations within your company you need to take care of. Training and education is so important. Allyship is so important. I'll probably consolidate during the end of my speech about uh, allyship, but I think it's really, really important to start from the bathroom all the way to the boardroom. I wanted to say something about that because you touched a point. So I know a company, I'm not going to name their name because they are not sponsoring this podcast, just giving a hint, but I applaud them for um, for the way that they are educating myself. So I'm a cisgender woman, black woman, and I wanted to visit the restroom. I noticed on that bathroom that it was inviting all people it could be used for everybody the bathroom was very big so it could be used for somebody who's disabled somebody who identifies with a different gender or somebody who doesn't identify with a gender so the fact that you mentioned we have to start at the restroom it touched me because it reminded me of that situation where I got excited by just visiting that restroom. And it it sounds small, but I know that from the LGBT community, I know that the people who don't identify in the normal, you know, you don't fit in that normality box where a lot of people put others in, they are proud and excited to have at least a a room where they can do whatever they, they need to do and feel included by just having that restroom. You're right, uh, Vivian. I think it's important to also note that if you've seen the movie Hidden Figures, mm, you don't yeah. want it happening again. Yeah, yeah. You don't want it happening again because you don't have to run for a block to go and do your nature's call, you know? Yeah. It needs to be within a building. And that's um, something that I always keep in mind. Oh, it's yeah. Hidden Figures all over again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you for reminding me of that. And... Um, Starting with you, Mark, Okay. what would you say if you had the ears of leaders, managers, or today's leaders, tomorrow's leaders, what's the one thing that you would share with them when it comes to workplace pride and, and maybe add in a little bit of why? Sure. Um, so I just want to mention that using the restroom is a human right. Mm. It's, a, it's a necessity. It's not a luxury. 
So when organizations are making their bathrooms inclusive for both disabled users and trans and gender nonconforming intersex people, they're not doing us a favor. It's our right to mm -hmm. use the bathroom. It's our need, right, to use the restroom. And we should feel safe in that environment. Um, so I, I applaud companies that have gender neutral bathrooms and inclusive bathroom policies. But that's the bare minimum. Because you want your employees to feel safe in the workplace. You want them to be able to do their biological needs in the workplace, right? And so I just want to say that point to, to what we were just talking about. And I think leaders of today and leaders of tomorrow have to recognize that Gen Z is coming up the pipeline and they are more diverse, they are more inclusive. The expectation of Gen Z is way more than my generation. They have no tolerance for intolerance. And so as the workplace continues to evolve, as work from home becomes more trendy, as we see more trans visibility in society, as we see more LGBTQ visibility, we need to make sure that the, the workplace culture is not just welcoming of them, but the environment is being able to retain them. It, it's one thing to be invited to the barbecue. It's another thing to, feel, to be fed at the barbecue. Exactly. Especially when you're vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a whole other conversation. I'm not vegan, by the way, but just letting you know that. You know, but but it's true. It's one thing to yeah. be invited. True. It's another thing to be included while you're there. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. the difference between like equity and equality, right? Like equality, mm -hmm. everyone's invited. Equity is what do you need to feel included in this yeah. space? Yeah. And that's really critically important. And I think that as leaders... You know, as we see more black and brown people step into leadership, as we see more queer people and trans people step into leadership, we're going to see a shift. It yeah. is not the white man's club anymore. Mm -hmm. In America, for I can only speak for the American context. I apologize for being that person who says the American context. Um, but in the American viewpoint that I live in, the old white man's club is is fading out. Spread that magic into Europe, please, because we need that magic well, there. Well, yeah, it is. It's yeah. fading out. And as we yeah. see more and more black and brown folks step into leadership and more queer and trans and LGBTQ folks step into leadership and disabled people step into leadership, we have to recognize the world is evolving. The workplace yeah. has to evolve with it. Yeah. And if you yeah. want to profit, if you want to be successful in your business, you have to stay with the times. There's no, there's no need to digress. We can't go backwards. We can only go forwards. Exactly. Thank you, Mark. Celia. To me, um, the question was more, what would you tell your leadership? Was yeah, true, true. Um, I, I like what Mark said about uh, equity versus equality, because um, it, my, the point that I always think about pride is, pride to me is proclaiming a radical individuality that dem demonstrates equity. And that's what's mm. beyond. I, -E. I, I just, love that acronym. Yeah. Just try to remember that. I love acronyms. The important thing, I think, uh, for me, uh, when I talk to the leadership is basically to tell them that, are you ready for 2025? Because 60% mm. of our yes. is going to be millennials. And also, 27% of the youth in California identify as gender non-binary. And it's already there by Williams Institute Research. And there's research all over the place. So you need to start thinking about revamping your workforce because in your mission statement as a CEO, as a C-level person, you do have one segment about empowering your team or your workforce. And it's so important for you to also think about it. 
And also, I would encourage you as a CEO to also help your board to bring diversity there. Because I've done a research on close to um, uh, probably 80% of the Fortune 100 companies. In my past uh, company, I was doing a research. And I found that a lot of folks in the board always have one black person, one mm-hmm. Asian, the one token Asian, person, yeah, and one woman maybe there. But in the C level, they will just bring in a lot of intersectionalities. You know, you I see that that there, but I see a lot of disparity when it comes to the board because the board controls the money, they control the venture, yeah. venture capital, they control a lot of the value of the company. And to me, if you want to make a change, it's not at the C level. I'm going one level above that. And even talking to the venture capitalists and saying that, are you really interested in diversifying your portfolio when you're working with companies? You know, it's a, that's where the change has to happen, not just at the yeah. company level, because companies are just driven by leadership. But I would really go to the investors and places where the change needs to happen. And that yeah. is what I would love to see. I also want to add um, two things. So you, you mentioned about... Um asking the stakeholders to hold companies accountable when it comes to investing in them, but also realize that as a consumer, we also have power. We are also external stakeholders. So be mindful of supporting when you buy something or when you want to support a company. Google their website, Google their statement. What are they really doing? Not what are they posting? What are they really doing? So that you can learn more about what, where you're buying from right i have also noticed that in the states um there have been some banking uh started for the black community but also some banking started for the lgbt community where they want to support their community by providing services catered towards the lgbt community and i find that genius because if you can if you uh if you can join them create your own company, create something else. And that's what's happening now. People are going to divide and conquer and they are going to show what they are missing. If they don't see it within your company, they will create it elsewhere because they are lacking something that's not within your company. So be mindful of that. 2025, it's really happening. And if you are thinking about when to talk about this or if you are still in that ostrich phase where you don't want to see diversity, you don't want to speak diversity, you don't want to hear diversity, then you are already late. You are already late. So I want to hand the mic to Julie. Well, I have a confession when it comes to this bathroom discussion. A few years back, I was studying at the university here in Amsterdam, and uh, I was in an LGBTQ plus group, and I was having lunch with a bunch of friends. And then in Amsterdam, everybody has their own water bottle. It was just carried around. And then I noticed that uh, this non-binary, uh, one of the members, uh, they didn't have a bottle. So I was like, oh, you don't have a water bottle? And they said, well, I don't drink water at school. And my response was, you don't get thirsty? And, and then they said, well, I can't use a bathroom here. So the, just to give you a little bit of context, um, I've dated somebody who used wheelchair in the past. So I don't see the sort of bathroom, uh, disab- well, the bathroom is labeled as disabled bathroom, but I see the bathroom as all-purpose bathroom. That's how I see it because I've used it, my ex-girlfriend used it. But to them, this is for a bathroom for disabled people. It's not for me. 
then I started a conversation. Well, wait a minute. So are disabled like people who have different abilities, like physical abilities are less than us or what that that ignited a whole kind of heated discussion. Uh, but we kind of agreed to, okay, it's about the labeling of the bathroom. If it's just labeled as everybody's bathroom, anyone can use it, then they didn't have a problem. But because of the label, they were hesitant to use it. But it's still kind of a left. Of, there was a person who was in a wheelchair and an LGBTQ plus person in the group. So it just the it did the conversation didn't go too well in, in the end. But it also drove us to speak with the university. Like, hey, we have an issue here, and we need to talk about this. We need to do something about that. So that was my uh, experience with the old gender bathroom. Vivian, you want to unmute? Please. I was saying so many things. Don't mind me. Sorry, guys. Sorry, everybody. I was muted. But the restroom has so many challenges when it comes to uh, catering or supporting those who want to use it because of Mother Nature's calling and mothers who are you know, pumping their milk in the restroom. I don't want to open up that gate, but um, please consider your restroom when you are inviting people to come back to the workplace or to the office, because we don't want to have exclusion anymore. Thank you. I have, I think I have asked everybody this question, right? Or am I missing somebody? I lost the track of no, I, I started talking about my experience with the bathroom, but the, quickly with the for the leaders, I just seconded mm -hmm. what Mark said. The younger generation, us, my generation, people kind of kind of used to ingest. We shouldn't be used to it, but yeah. sort of like okay, this is this is how things go. But not the younger generation. They're radically yeah. inclusive. Uh, Ipsos Mori's research in 2017 with Gen Z, uh, who mm -hmm. were born after 1995, 34 percent are not exclusively heterosexual. One, mm -hmm. So yeah. they're more gender diverse, more sexual orientations, more fluid. It's not binary. It's not static. And people are just, in, regardless of their gender or sexual orientation or gender identity or expressions, they're more inclusive. And mm -hmm. if, you're not, if you don't have inclusive workplace, you're turning off a lot of people, especially yeah. young generation. So if you want to hire top talent, Yes, workplace inclusion matters. It reminds me also what Mark, and I think Celia mentioned this as well, that it's good to, you know, do your best and invest in onboarding people and invest in recruiting and hiring people. But you have a leaky pipeline and that, that leaky pipeline, it started with just a small hole. But if you don't attend to that, you know, fixing that small hole, it will be coming the next... Um, um, the, the dam the dam near the Nevada or near Las Vegas, that huge dam, it will break. If it has just one piece and it's not being fixed, that one piece gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it will become the Hoover Dam maybe that's breaking out. And where is your company then? Because by that time, so many backlash is on social media or so many backlashes online People know how to find the social media. People know how to find 
uh, the journalists and bad press, recovering from bad press. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, the Hoover Dam. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Celia. So thank you. So coming back to the last question, and the last question that I have is, what is your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and also workplace pride? And I'll start with Celia. One of the things that I would love for the companies to take from this call, and if you're in this call and you want to have a takeaway, I would start with the word allies. The word allies, A, is for acknowledge your privilege. Mm -hmm. L is to listen to our community. Mm -hmm. Another L is to learn to unlearn. And I is to instigate tough conversations and decisions in your company. E is to educate your people and your folks within the company. And S is to be supportive by getting involved. So the word allies is what I would, I will also put the acronym in the I chat. I will share the acronym. <laughs> Thank you, Celia. This is something Thank that you. we talk about. So that's what I yeah. love. I love that. I'm supporting you with that. Julie. Uh, Celia, this, she, she Yeah, said, exactly. Sorry, they said it. Yeah, you said it. But um, yeah, allyship. I, I hope more people, so cisgender, heterosexual, privileges well i call it superpower superpower mm -hmm. whether to be legal superpower or representation or privacy you know we all need to acknowledge the superpower we have and transform that into understanding or kindness to make a better change for a uh, more marginalized group of people not just lgbtq plus but the more marginalized group of people in the workplace yeah. for them to be better i love that and i'm with you on that doing my own homework, but I'm with you on that. So definitely. Thank you, Julie. Mark. Yeah, I, I want people to take away that better is coming. Ugh. That within diversity, uh, within the differences that we all have, that a better society is coming our way. And to remain hopeful that you belong, that you are worthy, that you are enough, and that you belong in the workplace. I don't know what to say. I am getting emotional again. Um, <laughs> it's 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 about um, it's about a change is going to come by Sam Cooke, right? A change is going to come, and that change is going to start sooner than later. And uh, also, one of you mentioned that this lockdown it has been challenging but it also has been a blessing in disguise where we now find the opportunity to listen and learn from each other and do better when it comes to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I am grateful for this conversation and know that uh, for the people who are listening or who are watching the replay, you can always listen back in a few days on the podcast as well. It's a must conversation that you have to listen back to this conversation because a lot of golden nuggets have been shared and um, I want you to commit to one thing that one of us shared during this episode commit to one thing that one of us shared because we need to do better for everyone but today's episode is about supporting the LGBT community so commit to doing better and supporting the LGBT community because that's uh, that's where we need. Thank you, Obella. 
Thank you. And also, I forgot to share Michael's uh, Michael's comment about the hundred. Yeah, I will keep it one hundred definitely. So thank you, Michael. I am beyond grateful, Mark, Celia, and Julie, for this conversation. And um, like I shared during this conversation, I am not your host. I am not your guest. You were my host. You were. I was your guest at this episode, and I've been fanning. It has been challenging to keep my focus, especially when, you know, when when you're learning so much. But I hope that you have inspired one person, at least one person who will inspire so many other people to do better and to create that environment where we all feel welcome in that environment. So thank you. Um, I promise not to cry. I also want to highlight something, so please, please stay on when when we uh, when we stop. But I wanted to highlight something about the Amplify DEI Summit. Eighty plus speakers signed up, and um, people are going to hear something the latest on Friday. But I also want to uh, share that we are looking for sponsors. So. If you believe in not treating DEI strategies and initiatives as a one-night stand and support this mission, support this, um, this mission where intersectionality will be huge, I want you to reach out and reach out to me or reach out uh, to this link, the bit.ly link, and we will make it happen. So thank you for watching this episode thank you for listening to this episode and i also see a comment i guess a comment from celia uh the acronym which i need to share so get bear with me give me a moment and i'll share the acronym as well um oh no did i share it as a comment no i supposed to share it here on as a banner on the screen well because this is a very important acronym for us to uh to learn as well and it's important to uh, to educate ourselves to do better. So thank you all for making this episode. Um, I, I'm lost for words to 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 uh, to share, but thank you all for educating me, and thank you all for educating all of us. Um, it has been a good episode, a good 100 episode to celebrate today with you all. So thank you. Until next time, within two weeks, I will be back. Bye. <laughs>